the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. Well, there you have it. One of our worst fears came true, and injuries are a real thing now for this Toronto Raptors team. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studio. So yeah, last night against the Pelicans, you know, it started off really well, and then nightmares, nightmares all around, and we're going to talk all about it today. Joining me to do so is Ryan McNeil of NBA Overtime Podcast and Athletes Unfiltered. Dude, are you are you okay? Are we freaking out, or what's the deal here? I, I'm not freaking out. I'm still soaking in the buzz from being at Scotiabank <laughs> when that championship banner was raised. When the players got their championship bling. And we'll get into a little bit more. There are some concerns, but it's still, it's November, Adam. The season is still young. There's still a lot of hope. And you know what? There's a lot of great things we can still talk about today on your show. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you know what? Like, I don't want to be that guy that just focuses on the doom and gloom, but... You know, this was a concern that Raptors fans had walking into the season. You know, the depth being an issue, the depth being something that we weren't sure was going to be able to hold up. And now, like, if we just lost Patrick McCaw, as we have to to surgery, it wouldn't be that much of a big deal. Like, we can sort of mitigate that. But having Kyle Lowry and Serge go on, I don't want to jump too much ahead. This is going to be a true test for this Raptors team moving forward. Would you agree? It's a true test. It's a hard test. The problem I have putting too much stress on this road trip is last night was kind of a gimme win. And you saw that before the injuries. They were blowing them out. Absolutely. But you have the Lakers. Is it the Clippers too? Yeah. The next four road games are hell. So I don't want to put too much pressure on Fred Van Vliet and all these guys. Look at the numbers. Fred Van Vliet, he's already averaging 37.3 minutes per game. I don't think you can bump his minutes any. Like you are mentioning with Patrick McCaw being out, I know he's listed as a small forward, but Patrick McCaw is a combo combo guard who can soak up some backup minutes. Looking at his roster, Adam, who's going to play those 15, 20 minutes of point guard off the bench to spell Fred Van Vliet? Yeah. It's going to be something that we're going to have to monitor because there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of uh, people on this team that are going to have to step up big time, whether it's, you know, RSJ, whether it's Matt Thomas, whether, you know, Hernandez got the call up now that Serge is, is injured. It's There's going to be a lot of new faces here getting plenty of NBA minutes that, you know, may not have the gelling chemistry that we're familiar with. So expect some growing pains. But at the same time, there is something exciting to that nature because now we're going to see what this Raptors team is truly made of. Now we're really going to dig our hands into seeing what Nick Nurse can do as a head coach with two of his mainstays out of the equation right so this is sort of like i'm not i'm trying to put a positive spin on this i'm trying to make people hyped about this and saying like look it's not doom and gloom as you mentioned ryan it is just november right there's plenty of basketball season left to go and having said that like you kind of would rather this happen now than later on in the season heading into the playoffs a hundred percent you never want injuries but they're gonna happen let's have them now there's a lot of benefits to it happening now first of all 
Terrence Davis. I know he's a shooting guard. I know he's more of a scoring guard. But can he give you 10 to 15 minutes off the bench as your backup point guard? That's a good experiment. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let me get the name right here. Uh, Blake Murphy of The Athletic yep. wrote a great piece on the 905 this morning or late last night. Tyler Ennis hurt his leg in Turkey last year. He's back with back in North America with the Raptors 905. Blake is reporting that Tyler's at about 90, 95%. Tyler Ennis is a nice break in case of emergency option at point guard if Terrence Davis just can't do the point guard backup duty. So you have an option there, an emergency option right now, which is a great to have too. You don't want to lose Serge Ibaka, but an ankle sprain is what? A week? Two weeks? Mm. It allows you to give Cruz Boot. Chris Boucher, some more run. It allows Marcus Gasol to be more of a focal point. I don't know if you want to bump his minutes, but when he's on the court, he's maybe he's utilized a little bit more and a little bit of a bump in his minutes. So I don't want to lose any of these guys for injuries, but I think if now's the time, now is the time if you're going to have an injury where you want to get get it out of the way and get these young guys, get their feet wet and a little, little experience. Now, Adam, I did a little bit of, WebMD research, a grade three sprain on a thumb takes 12 to 16 weeks. A fractured thumb can take longer. Now, it's his non-shooting hand for Lowry, so there's reports he might play through it. I don't know if he can play with a splint or a wrap on it. I don't think he can. But if a grade three sprain takes 12 to 16 weeks to heal, I'm no doctor. I'm not trying to play one on a podcast, but... That's concerning, right? Like that could be season ending if he needs surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go as far as to say okay, that it's good. season ending, but it's definitely like, this is a guy that last year he, he played through like ligament damage with his thumb during the finals. And he wore that little uh, thumb brace. So I think you can wear something. It's whether or not you want to have that be a, a longstanding concern this early into the season heading all the way into potentially like May, June, like those kind of months. Like you don't want to have that be something that may inhibit him in any way. Cause this is going to be, let's face it. Kyle Lowry is one of the predominant scorers on this team. So I don't know how much you want to risk it. And you might want to just take this opportunity. Take, I know it sucks, but take the three months just to get them right. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. The team is six and two which is, I think, tied for second in the East, which is great. But that murderer's role, the next four road games, Adam, if they drop those four and they come back to Toronto six and six, are you going to panic or are you going to take a big, deep breath and realize it's just the injuries? It was four of the toughest road games I'll have all season and life will go on. I'm hoping to be the optimist about it. I'm hoping that I can, you know, depending on what the score and the outcome of the game is and the effort that the players put out on the team, you know, on the floor, 
I'm hoping that I can be positive about it. But, you know, there, there's a whole lot to break down about this, and we're going to get into it. But, look, you mentioned those four games on the West Coast, and you mentioned that it's still just November in the NBA season. And right now, history tends to repeat itself when it comes to the Toronto Raptors and their annual West Coast trip to Los Angeles, Portland, Dallas, all the above. Now, listen, the weather is getting colder up in Toronto right now, and still here in New England, it's freezing. It's 30 degrees Fahrenheit here. I don't do Celsius to Fahrenheit, but I try my best, and I can imagine it's snowing outside right now. <laughs> there you go. Snow is on the ground. So you may be thinking to yourself, man, I could use a vacation from this. Well, why not go over to the West Coast and check out the Raptors live? How are you going to do that, you ask? Well, we've got you covered. We've partnered up with Vivid Seats to give you the best opportunity to see your reigning, defending, and undisputed champs live. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the events that you want to go to, whether it's a Raptors game on the West Coast, a concert that you have in mind, a theater show, a comedy show, whatever you want to go to, they've got you co- uh, covered. And it's easy, man. We All you have to do is download the Vivid Seats app on your favorite smart device, whether it's an iPhone, an Android, whatever, and just search for the event that you're interested in. You can sort by price. You can look at seats by section, by row, all your choice, all on the Vivid Seats app. And to make things easier, right now, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back, and it's called the Vivid Seats Reward. The best part is you're automatically enrolled in this. No red tape. I can't believe this is real because it's just automatic. And that's not all. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. And we here at the South of the Six podcast, we're hooking you up. Check it out. First-time customers that use the Vivid Seats app and use promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you can get up to 100 bucks off your first ticket purchase in the Vivid Seats app. Simple, right? It's like free money to go see the Raptors out west. Your first time buying tickets on Vivid Seats, just use promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, all on the Vivid Seats app. We have a jam-packed show for you tonight. We're going to try to make everything better. I know last night was rough. They still got the W, but we're going to try to sort of give this as a therapy session to make sure you guys aren't giving up on this team. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Ryan. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are worried about the outcome of this team moving forward, whether or not we're going to have enough depth. We just touched on it at the top of the show. Let's compartmentalize this a little bit. Let's start let's start with the big one. Let's talk about Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, as we already mentioned, non-shooting hand, ligament damage in his thumb. He went to swipe at a ball. They tried to play it off, or reports, initial reports, where that is his fingernail. I wasn't really buying that because it was immediately black and blue, they said. This is not ideal, especially it being the same exact thumb that he had surgery on to repair other ligament damage this past summer. Although they do say it's not related to the previous injury, still anything on that thumb is not ideal. Let's talk about Kyle Lowry first. Are you concerned about this moving forward, given the lack of point guard depth that we've been talking about? Right now, it's just Fred Van Vliet and Terrence Davis on paper, but how do you think this is going to impact a team moving forward? I think if you're a Raptors fan, you are happy about the injury. And the reason being is Lowry can't be traded now between now and the deadline. That's he true. won't be healthy. He won't be back. He won't pass a physical, all that kind of stuff. Now, he's probably playing well in advance of that. But this means if you're a Raptors fan, you know that you have Lowry and Van Vliet in your backcourt. 
the rest of the season. So there's one positive, right, Adam? Yes, yes, that's true. I, I kind of want to see what you have with Terrence Davis. I, I, I think he's a really intriguing young player. Maybe he's better off in the G League getting those game reps, but now he's getting game reps in the NBA, which is incredibly valuable too. So there's a second positive. Now, if Terrence Davis isn't ready for the big time or 15 minutes off the bench, I think Tyler Ennis, as long as he's fully healthy, like Blake Murphy said in his article, I think you have a really nice backup point guard this season in Tyler Ennis. And I like that Fred Van Vliet now gets to be the man. I think long-term, the, the, the tough thing is for any fan, even for coaches, I think Nurse was saying this, it's tough to not look at a fourth quarter run by an opponent, tough not to look at a four-game road trip where you're, you might lose all four and, and lose sight of the big picture. We'll get in this more, I'm sure, later in the podcast, but OG and Pascal are your future. The next, well, maybe hopefully 10 years here yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. Is Fred Van Vliet the future as well? I think this is the last year of his deal or next year is the last year of his deal. Should Masai Ujiri give Fred Van Vliet starter money? And I know it's a tough trial right now, but you get a little window into what Fred Van Vliet's doing as a starter all season. And can he be the guard in a backcourt with Fred Van Vliet and OG for the next five or so years? So, again, short term, it stinks, Adam. But there's some really great insight that Masai, the front front office, and the coaching staff can glean from Kyle Lowry being out for a bit. Yeah, that's true. This this is a perfect opportunity to see what you have because I want to say that, you know, they're holding off on giving Fred Van Vliet starter money because, you know, this is really his first opportunity to be a, a pivotal starting member of this team for the entire season. And this was even before Kyle Lowry went down. So now the the pressure is a little bit amped up. Right, the pressure is on Fred Van Vliet to be the quote-unquote quarterback of this team and to really be the facilitator. I know, you know, save for the first game of the season, his play, his playmaking skills, his, his starter minutes haven't been ideal. The, he, I wouldn't say he's been piss poor, but he just hasn't been that finals uh, player that we've witnessed le- this past June. There's still something that is left to be desired with Fred Van Vliet on the floor. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's still trying to to get his feet wet over here. A lot of people are speculating that, you know, in the first game of the season, he fell and he landed on the cameraman. And ever since then, he hasn't been playing the same. That could be true. He might be dealing with something that he's just trying to fight through. Who knows? But what I do know is that now is an opportunity for him to prove it. Now is an opportunity for him to really step up and saying... I need to prove to not only myself, but to this team and to this front office that I am legit, that I can hold down the fort in Kyle Lowry's absence. And not only that, I am also the future of this team, as you alluded to. So Fred Van Vliet's got to step up, man. He's got to, he's got to be a little bit more decisive with the basketball. He can't be dribbling the, the air out of the ball like he's notoriously known for. Um, and other than that, you're right. OG Ananobi, we're probably going to get more in-depth on him later on. But OG Ananobi right now, man, he's been, he's been shining, right? And if he can continue that level of play, it might not be that much of a dire straight situation that we anticipate. Right. This is 
an all-star caliber caliber player that went down, sure. But if the bench that we, you know, the opportunities that the bench are going to be given can sort of mitigate the situation, it could be worse. The problem is, is that a guy like Terrence Davis uh, or a guy like Tyler Ennis, as you mentioned, like these are still relatively... It's, they're unknowns when it comes to how they're going to perform with the Raptors. I feel like Nick Nurse's standards as to you know the minutes that he distributes it's very high, right? That's we didn't see Stanley Johnson. And I like once. that. Yeah, no, and you know it should be. This is a championship caliber team. We didn't see Stanley Johnson once yesterday, and that speaks volumes to me, volumes to the level of trust that Nick Nurse has. So there's a lot of opportunity right now for them to prove it. But will they? I think that is the, the the source of the anxiety that Raptors fans are feeling right now. I want to I want to defend Fred Van Vliet for a second here. Sure. He is in the top sixty in points per game at fifteen point one. And I think that will even bump up a little bit. I think by the time Larry's back after this road trip, he'll be about six uh, seventeen, eighteen points, which is phenomenal for a starting point guard. But what really impresses me is he's getting 4.1 rebounds at his size. Mm -hmm. And Adam, he's in the top 10 in assists this season in the NBA at 7.4. So he's creating for himself. He's creating for teammates. I have no questions and no problems with Fred Van Vliet, except for that size. I know the media guy says he's six foot one. I am five foot ten, and we stand eye to eye when we're talking post game in <laughs> So, I think the only thing with Fred Van Vliet is his size. Can it hold up for an entire NBA season when other larger point guards take him in the post? Does he have the strength to battle them? But again, those four point one rebounds show he's active on the glass for, especially for a point guard. I think that's phenomenal. Um, he's close to being a, a 15, five and, and seven, eight point guard, which is phenomenal. So that's not the issue for me. It's just a size. Let's go to OG though. Sure. Last year he had a horrible year professionally and personally back in training camp. He had a death of, I want to say his uncle, who was like a father figure to him. It threw him off. He was away from the team from a little bit. It was tough adjusting. Then he had to adjust to Kawhi and Pascal, essentially taking all of his minutes, and he was kind of in mop-up duty. He finally adjusted to that mental, um, that, that hurdle of, of losing a loved one and then having his role change as a pro. And then he had that, it was an appendectomy yeah. um, right before the playoffs. Everything I've heard this season from him has been phenomenal. He had an 18-point game two games ago. Last night, he had, what, 21 points? And was he 5 of 7 from 3? Yeah. My goodness, Adam, if he's even a 33% three-point shooter, I am ecstatic. <laughs> but him having that three-point shooting, that lockdown defender on the wing— Buddy, I am stoked about Pascal, obviously, but OG, oh, he's reestablished himself as that player alongside Pascal that if a team calls Masai, immediately click, he hangs up. Yeah, 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 he's, there's an argument to be made that he's already made a case to be MIP. 
this year, right? And to sort of follow in what Pascal Siakam, that sort of trend that Pascal Siakam established. Um, I do think that OG Ananobi is a special player. And you're right, a lot of what happened last year was personal and internal, right? So this could have been a worse situation. And that's not to minimize anything that he went through last year. I, I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I'm saying in terms of a purely basketball perspective, nothing that he experienced were, could affect his mechanics moving forward. And I know that sounds sort of like callous in a way, but I'm saying it just purely basketball, th- this guy's future is set. It's, it's, it's good. It's on the upswing. And seeing that put into practice right now is unbelievable. Like, right now, I didn't really anticipate... I anticipated an improvement in his game. Like, let's not forget, this is a guy that was coming off a major injury in college. I want to say it was an ACL tear. And this is what prevented him from being a lottery pick. Otherwise, he would have been. And the Raptors were able to scoop him up, even with the injury concern at the time, with the recovery. And you you could have expected that his lateral quickness wasn't going to be there in year one. And it wasn't, but you still saw these flashes of greatness. Hell, this is a guy that defended LeBron James in the playoffs adequately. Like he in LeBron James even gave him props. Right. And then the following year, we just went through it like there was some downfall. There was some personal issues that he experienced right now, though, that's all behind him. Right now, he doesn't have Kawhi Leonard taking his minutes. He doesn't have these roadblocks in the way he's getting the opportunities. And the opportunities are ripe for the taking, and he's taking advantage of it as best as he possibly can. And that's exactly what you want to see in a player like this, in a player of this caliber. You want to see him excel. And having these injuries, going back to that, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka gone, this is going to free up even more minutes for him and make him even a a more reliable presence on this team. And if there's any indication that what we've seen throughout these past handful of games, we're in good hands. Like, we are in good hands with OG Ananobi. That's one of the, the, the things on the roster that you can look and put a nice big check mark and say that's, a, that's not even a concern. Yes, he's going to have off nights. Everybody has off nights. But the entire trajectory of his career moving forward looks absolutely positive to me, and it would not surprise me at all if we see an MIP nod for OG Ananobi. I, I agree completely. Now, I'm not a big stats guy. I try not to be, but there's some great numbers right now with the Raptors. OG is averaging a shade over four three-point attempts per game. He's hitting 54.5% of those. OG is 57.1% field goal percentage. That tells me he knows what shots he can make, and he's not taking foolish shots. On top of that, Pascal is hitting 41.3% of his threes and 51% from the field. This team knows their shots, knows what they can make and what they can't make. And if it's a bad shot, they're swinging to open teammates. Like, I don't know, I get too much in the analytics of this, but essentially they're playing incredibly smart team basketball. And OG is part of that. Pascal's part of that. Fred Van Vliet is part of that. And all these young guys, they know their roles. They know their strengths, their weaknesses. And it's been great seeing Pascal, I don't even want to give OG most improved. You might be able to get Pascal most improved <laughs> and an all-star nod this season. OG is improving. Fred Van Vliet's having his best season as a pro. All these young players are showing, hey, we can be a part of a defending championship team and integral to the core for the next five plus seasons. No, for sure. But 
you know, as much as this excites me, there are some question marks, right? There are some things that we need to consider when it comes to this new responsibility that they're going to be given, right? So Fred Van Vliet, this is the first time in his career that he's averaging close to 40 minutes a game. Same thing with OG Ananobi. This is the first time in his career that he's averaging almost double what he previously has been. For the first two years that he's played, you know, given that 2018-19 season was relatively short for him, he averaged only 20 minutes or thereabouts for the first two years. Now that's probably going to uptick to close to 40. Do these kids have what it takes to sort of elevate their game, to be able to play that much. Like, in other words, yes, we know that they're reliable. We've seen it, but we've only seen it in, like, a limited, compacted amount of time. Save for maybe Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam was relied on quite heavily last year. But when you look at Fred Van Vliet, when you look at OG Ananobi, and the other players we're talking about, Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas, right? Are, are we sure that these players are going to be able to stay on the floor and produce at an adequate level long enough that this team will at least be able to keep their head above water. Yes. Nick Nurse talked last game I was at about looking at the long the long view and the long picture. And right now, Pascal and OG are under 35 minutes a game. You might bump a few minutes a game, but I do think that Nick Nurse sees the long view. These players have to be healthy, and you can't overstretch them. You can't be goofy about pushing the 40 minutes because then they'll be broken down by the playoffs. And I, I think from all the talks that I've had with Nick Nurse, he gets that. And, and I like that. I think that's important. Now, that being said, you're Matt Thomas, you're Norman Powell's, you're Chris Boucher's. Heck, you can try Rondé Hollis Jefferson as a stretch 5-2 at times just to play with that. Right. I know he's only playing in one game in four minutes. Um, suddenly Johnson hasn't played much. Maybe he might get an opportunity to get on the court and, and see what he can do. I think the main three, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal, and OG, I think that Nurse is going to try and cap them at 35 minutes a game, which is smart. I think what's going to happen now is your boy, Matt Thomas, will get some more run. And I think guys like Terrence Davis, Stanley Johnson, Chris Boucher, Malcolm Miller, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Now it's show me or you're not getting any playing time because this is your opportune time, guys, to get some minutes and earn minutes moving forward. All right, well, there's still a whole lot to dissect when it comes to these injuries. When we come back after this break, we're going to talk about the impact of Serge Ibaka's injury and what this means for the team moving forward. Do they have enough depth to mitigate this issue. We're going to touch on that right when we come back. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You touched on a lot of names, so let's let's transition into how the loss of Serge Ibaka will impact the team moving forward as well. Um, so this is an ankle injury. This, they're calling it a sprain. And uh, if, if you watch the game live or you saw the replay, it's one of those injuries that when it happened, you just grimace. You're, you're just very uncomfortable. At least I was sitting in my chair watching it. I looked it. away. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it just seeing... I, I don't want to be too graphic here. People are squeamish. I apologize. Just hit the little 15-second skip here. But you, you see his ankle just sort of turn underneath him. And that's a lot of weight coming from an almost 7-foot guy or a 7-foot guy coming down 
straight down to the floor. Um, not ideal, especially when Serge Ibaka was producing at such a high level. Like, I was loving what I was seeing from Serge Ibaka coming out of camp. He just looked ready to go and so determined to, to really prove that this Raptors team isn't a joke. Now that's sort of eliminated from the equation. And it's not ideal because Marcus Saul, you know, as much of a presence, a veteran presence as he's been for this team, the level of play just isn't really there. Like, I don't know if it's if it's a matter of conditioning. I don't know if it's a matter of just getting his feet wet. But there's something missing or lacking when it comes to Marcus Saul. Maybe it's just something that has to, like, improve over time. Maybe he's that type of player that starts off slow, tries to get in a groove and takes it from there. I'm hoping so. But now we're really going to see things from, or rather more minutes, as you already touched on, on Chris Boucher or Dwayne Hernandez. Like these are, he just got, you know, recalled from the, from the 905. These are players that haven't really been given the opportunity to prove it in the NBA level. And they're just kind of being thrown into the wolves here because of, well, this necessity. So we know Marcus Saul is going to be the guy that's going to, you know, start games now moving forward as he has been. But it really wouldn't surprise me if, as you said, RHJ gets a little bit more run now that Serge is hurt. Or maybe, you know, this has been called out there too, maybe if they run small, maybe Pascal Siakam operates operates as that center. Who knows? But there aren't nearly, for as much as we are concerned about the loss of Kyle Lowry, when it comes to Serge Ibaka, there's really not that many options at the big man level that can efficiently fill this gap that Serge is leaving. I'm going to be positive again. Sure. And you might not like this positivity because of where it's going to go. Here's the, here's the thing. Chris Boucher, this is his season where are you an NBA player or are you just a G League MVP? And there's a huge gap between those two things. But the Raptors are going to find out this season. Is Chris Boucher, at his age, is he a G League MVP? Or can he be a role player on this team? So, Chris Boucher, prove it or you're gone. Right. I think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, even though he's a small forward, can he play that stretch five in the new NBA? Let's find out. If not, well, you're going to be inactive for a bunch of games and or the end of the bench. Marcus Saul gets to show this was the early season struggles, just a hangover from a championship run with the Raptors and then playing for Spain and winning a gold medal. Or is it time to look at moving on? Cause here's the deal, Adam, we are the champions. It was great. They can never take that away from us, obviously, but does and should Masai Jerry start looking to pivot? Cause there are a bunch of teams. Portland in the West, Boston in the East, that would love, love to have Marcus Saw. And if you can get a Simons from Portland, or if you can get one of these nice young kids, like is Jalen Brown gettable? Is would Boston put their chips in for Marcus Saw for Jalen Brown? Maybe I'm being too much of a homer, even throwing that idea out mm. there. But Masai Ujiri is a savage when it comes to trade talks. And if Boston is desperate, for a championship caliber big man that can defend at a high level. What can we get from Boston? What can we get from Portland who went to the Western Conference Finals last year and is decimated by injuries right now? So I know teams want to defend the crown. I get that. I respect that. 
But my Messiah jury will not sleep on an opportunity to make this team strong for the next decade. There's no doubt in my mind that his wheels are spinning right now. Like that Messiah Jerry is a guy that just doesn't stop thinking about how he can improve the team. Um, there, it, I don't know. I don't know how you can make this more of a, a, a how do I put this? I don't know how you make Marcus all an attractive trade piece. I, I'll just come out and say it. Um, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's not producing right expiring now. Expiring deal. Yeah. The expiring deal is attractive. I get that. But you know, it, it is relatively early in the game to be making trades at that caliber. Right. And I know, like you mentioned, Jalen Brown, Boston can't trade him even if he wanted to until December because of the extension. So like, this is something that you're going to have to hold on to for a little bit. I wanted to flirt with, you know, the trade machine and and whatnot, but given the, you know, historical nature of the trade trade market, not really heating up this early, it's relatively cold. I don't know that people are going to be eager to trade for a Marcus all like, yes, you look at the numbers, you look at the total rebounds. He's, he's averaging seven rebounds a game. That's okay. For a big man, like you kind of want that to be a little bit more. In some games, he has exceeded that. But if you if you look a little closer and squint hard enough, you look at the offensive rebounds. He's averaging about one, one offensive rebound a game. That you can't have that. You can't have that from your starting center. This is what. This is why I'm a little bit more concerned of the loss of Serge Ibaka than I am of Kyle Lowry because the guys filling the gaps are relatively unknown. Right, the the Chris Boucher, I'm not sure that he can hang. This is going to be a huge test for him. That's not to say that he can't. I'm not denying his talent and ability. I just don't know. Right, and same thing with Hernandez. I just don't know. Maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle here, and maybe he's going to light the world on fire. I certainly hope so, but I, I'm certainly not anticipating it because these are unknowns. And when you look at the other options, the RHJs, like there's a reason why he hasn't been given the opportunity. Again, there is a rumor out there that he's not fully recovered from his groin injury, so maybe that's going to inhibit the team moving forward. You're Best option, really a more reliable option at this point, is to have Pascal Siakam be play some center minutes, but then you're running incredibly small. So I just don't know how you I don't want him this. banging against their bigs. Exactly. That injury risk yeah. is too big for me. Yeah, and so what do you do? Like You, you kind of have to either go dumpster diving and to see what's left in this free agent market, or you got to try to make a trade. But like I said, teams aren't really eager to trade right now because they haven't really gauged where their team is at. They haven't really gauged, like, maybe things will pick up, maybe things will get better, because as you know in the NBA, Ryan, regular season, quote-unquote, doesn't count. Like, the regular season is where you figure things out up until about February at the trade deadline. So you have this opportunity right now to see what you have in your young kids before utilizing those those trade bullets in, in the chamber, but... I just don't know that I can be fully confident in those bullets performing at a reliable high level. I'm always someone who looks a couple steps ahead, a couple years ahead with a basketball team. I love that Pascal Siakam is locked up long term. Mm-hmm. I think OG is next. I think those two, you have a good next five years. So do you want to trade a bunch of pieces to kind of put patches on the dam is about to burst? I think what... Zach Lowe mentioned this in one of his preseason columns. If Toronto is 20 and 25, they are then sellers. And this team is looking, whether it's because of injuries or age or what have you, 
they're looking to be a 20 and 25 team. I would be surprised if when they come back from this road trip, if they aren't six and six now. So I take a step back and I look, do I want to keep putting patches on this dam that's about to burst? No, I have two great pieces in Pascal and OG. So what do I do for the next five years to optimize those players? I think it's what's going to happen is around Christmas time, a month from now, we're going to have this current roster, but in a good way, the vultures will be circling. They'll be the ones calling Masai, not Masai calling out. At that point, you can start to play other teams against each other. If Boston and Portland are desperate for a big man, then you can start saying, well, hey, we can do this or this. And then you got you got a buyer, you got a seller's market for right. Toronto. Um, maybe Miami is really desperate for a point guard and they can't get Chris Paul. Maybe a month from now, Lowry's showing he can play through this for a nice playoff run. And you only have next season on Lowry's deal. So he's more enticing for a Minnesota or a Miami. I think that the next month might be incredibly frustrating for fans. But again, I mentioned this earlier, Pascal and OG are phenomenal. I think Fred Van Vliet is going to put his stamp on this point guard position for the next few years. There are some really nice positives. And Adam, we haven't even talked about your boy, Matt Thomas, who's hitting <laughs> 60% of his three-point shots. What is he from the field? He's like 67%, 63% from the field. My goodness. So all kidding aside, there are some really nice things. I think fans need to realize they brought back this team for the first month or so so of the season. You can't have a championship ring ceremony when Lowry's been traded and Gasol and all this stuff. So we've had this little stretch to enjoy being champions. These young kids, they're the future. I think there's going to be that pivot in the next few weeks because injuries have kind of forced that hand. We're going to see what the young kids can and can't do. And then we're going to see Masai kind of throw some gas on the fire and see what he can get as a seller in the market leading up the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, like, look, I think you and I are saying the same thing when it comes to how Raptors fans should gauge this. And, you know, it's almost serendipitous that this happened when I had you scheduled for the show because, like, you are a a voice of positivity. You are someone that can sort of look within the shadows and find the light. And I hate to be, you know, so poetic about it, but it's true. Like, we're we're looking at the situation. It's pretty dire, right? Lowry has a fractured thumb. Ibaka was in a walking boot this morning. So this is something that is not ideal, but you're right. These kids have a prime opportunity to really stamp their name onto this team. Terrence Davis is going to see an uptick in minutes. Matt Thomas certainly is going to see an uptick in minutes. Uh, Maybe Malcolm Miller gets more of a run. Um, Who knows what's going to happen when Patrick McCall comes back. Whenever that will be, maybe he's going to be a more reliable force. I know this sounds dire to people. I know people, these aren't ideal scenarios, but it could be worse, right? It could be much worse. Um, I think you're right that OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are recognized as the future of this team, and maybe you can squeeze Fred Van Vliet in there as well. Um, depending, I would. Yeah, depending on what they do at the deadline, maybe they shed some salary, maybe they free up some cap, maybe then you extend these offers. The problem I see there, and, and we can you know touch on this before we take our next break, the problem I see there is that in order to learn free agents, you know the, that class of 2021, 
in order to lure them in, you have to have a competitive team on the floor. And I'm not sure that, there's no doubt in my mind that Fred, uh, Pascal, and OG, the, the three of them make a very reliable core. It's pretty robust. But outside of that, if you're just going to you know, have these fillers in there, I don't know that your team can be as an attractive as a destination as it otherwise would have been if you had Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Mark Sons team fully healthy. And I know you can't predict injuries. I know that's sort of a pain in the ass when it comes to this. But at the same time, that is something that's going to need to be a selling point for the Raptors in order to lure these free agents in the 2021 class. So I kind of want to take your, get your take on that. Is that something that worries you in terms of how this team can sort of propel themselves and stabilize that floor of being championship caliber moving forward? I'm not worried at all. The East is definitely weaker than the West. I feel completely comfortable that a trio of Pascal, Fred Van Vliet, and OG would be enticing for Giannis. Mm. I still think there's a connection there with Masai Ujiri. There's a lot of mutual respect and admiration. It was Toronto that bumped Milwaukee and Giannis out of the playoffs last year. Giannis will not forget that in a good way and that what's here. I, I do think that Lowry, I think these injury things are becoming a little more prominent. I think... He has tremendous heart. I think he may be, or at least he should be, the first Toronto Raptor with his number raised to the rafters. For sure. I think his legacy is undeniable, unquestionable. But, Adam, father time always wins. And I think that with Lowry, I think it's it's near the end of the road. And I think if he has high enough value come February and he's healed from this, then awesome. Let's get going on on a trade. But I don't think Pascal, OG, and Fred Vliet would be a bad thing for someone like Giannis or someone else from this stacked 2021 free agency class. I think that Masai Ujiri will be able to sign someone. I think that Toronto with that trio will be among the East elite still. And these guys are so young. If you want to get an established star to play with them, then you have four key players. And man, I, I'm just pumped thinking about that, Adam. You know, I am too. And whether or not a, a drastic move is going to happen, that's still left to be determined. But I am encouraged by the leadership of Masai Ujiri for this team and moving forward. I think he's going to make the appropriate decision because as we have seen time and time again, you know, the vast majority of his, his moves have been very productive for this team. Maybe Has can... he made a bad move? Uh, I can't think of a bad move. Damari Carroll. Oh, but you know what? And, and even that being said, he cleaned that mess really well. Yeah. Then you have like Jerry Sollinger. That wasn't really. Yeah, but that, that that wasn't. <laughs> if that's your your second worst move, uh, yeah. free agent minimum. Hey, you're and you want a championship? Woo! In Masai, I trust. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that he's going to to do what it takes to um to make this this right for this team. Whether or not that's sort of a, a rebuild process as he goes, whether or not that means, you know, go out and buy, I don't know yet. That's yet to be determined. 
But right now we're we're left to to our devices. We're left to be relying on Matt Thomas, on a Norman Powell, on a Stanley Johnson, maybe on a Terrence Davis, Dwayne Hernandez, like we're, Chris Boucher. We're left to throw our trust into these players. Are they going to prove us wrong? I hope so. I hope that they can be these types of players that can be reliable, and we can think, oh, maybe there's something there moving forward. I don't want anybody to expect championship caliber play. Like, I'm going to be completely transparent here. But do I think it's nearly as bad as people are making it seem? I know it sucks losing Lowry. I know it sucks losing Ibaka. But the other side of these unknowns is you don't know if it's going to be positive. So why not just focus on that? Why not just bank on that and hope for the best? That, that That's all we can really do right now. When you see someone that's in a walking boot, that's not a good sign. Right, that that means that it's probably going to be an extended absence, absence rather. And if you when you see someone fracturing their thumb, that's not a good sign either. That's probably going to be an extended absence as well. So, what else can we do besides put our trust and faith in Messiah Jerry to make the appropriate call and to put our trust and faith into these players, albeit unknowns, but still, this is the team that we're living and dying with. So let's just keep it going, man. Let's keep this championship spirit alive and just pull through because what other choice do we have? Hey, Adam, I want you and I want Raptors fans to have a chess mentality and not a checkers mentality. <laughs> know that we are the champs. Masai has built a championship caliber team in the past. He had the top, top record in the East for a couple seasons. We won the championship last year. And even if this season is a setback and we flirt with a playoff spot or we get bounced in the first round or however it shakes out. We have Pascal, we have OG, we have Fred Van Vliet. We have a trio moving forward. We're going to have a boatload of cap room in two summers when it really matters. I have no fear about the team moving forward, even if we're under 500 this season, or even if we miss the playoffs Think of it as a chess game, one move to set up the next two or three moves. Just be positive. Enjoy the growth of Pascal. Pascal's going to be an all-star this year. That's phenomenal. OG might be most improved. Fred Van Vliet, I just love watching him ball. So again, fans, it may be frustrating if they come back 6-6, and if they go on the all-star break, sub-500. I get that. Not ideal for the defending champions. But... We haven't put all our chips into just this season and defending the championship. We still have an incredibly bright future. Well, having said that, if you want an incredibly bright future, take a listen to this offer. Right now, we're in the month of November, as you all know. And this is one of the greatest sports months of the year. And of course, this is when the Raptors really start to get cooking. And this is where the test truly comes for this team. But all of your football, college football, NHL, and of course, NBA sports betting needs can be found only at one place. And that is at mybookie.ag. Ryan, I live by the Hunter S. Thompson motto. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. And that stands true with sports betting and that's why i go to mybookie.ag they've got it all man whether you want to bet on specific games or whether or not the raptors will repeat as champions my bookie has you covered you make bets on individual quarters halves player props like points and so much more and if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little but win a lot 
try a parlay. If you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are, mu- are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. And now is the best time to get in on, in on the action. So much so that we got a special offer for you. When you sign up over at mybookie.ag, new users that use promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, all one word, mybookie will match your first deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. The math is legit, guys. If you deposit two thousand dollars, you get an extra thousand bucks in free money to play with. I can't believe this is real. So head on over to mybookie.ag and use promo code overtime. Once again, mybookie.ag promo code overtime. O v e r t i m e. At mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna touch on some familiar storylines with load management right after this break. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Ryan, you run Athletes Unfiltered, the podcast, and I'm sure this has been an ongoing discussion for you. But let's talk about a familiar theme of load management. It seems like everybody is getting on Kawhi right now in the Clippers for having this load uh, management, uh, you know, sort of schedule that is pretty much predetermined for this team. Um, This wasn't a big deal when it came to the Toronto Raptors. All of a sudden now, this is a national headline when it comes to how the the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard are utilizing his body throughout the entirety of the season. Do you think this is a little bit overblown or do you think, nah, man, they kind of have a point. He should be playing. Where do you stand on this issue? We've talked a lot about this. I have no issue with it. The regular season, heck, it's November. It's November. Let's have him healthy for the playoffs. You and I both talked in the playoffs, too. He was hobbling in the Eastern Conference Final and the NBA Finals. There's something happening with his lower body still. I know he has summer to rest, but why play him in back-to-backs? Yeah, maybe he should have played on the nationally televised part of that back-to-back. I get that. But I think the NBA season is too long. Mm. Let's play every team, once at home, once on the road, even schedule is no uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference imbalance. Have the top 16 teams overall in the playoffs. Let's do this, Some those changes. But the reality is there's so much wear and tear on players now. I know Michael Jordan came out and said, I never sat out for games. But players weren't the size they are now. They don't have the same mass they have now. Is not as athletic as it is now. And even LeBron's like, well, I don't take rest, man. Uh, didn't he come out last night saying, I don't take games off? Dude, you took like a week off when you're in Miami. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, I, I don't get it. I just think the game now, players need more time. I think if you drop down to a 60-something game schedule, you could have one midweek game, one weekend game. It makes travel a whole lot easier. There's more rest in between games. I just think that's more beneficial. I, the, the, the problem with that then is then the TV partners are like, well, we have less games to show. Well, do you want less games to show and players playing every game? Or do you want more games to show and fans getting upset because the quality isn't as good? So that's my little ramble. I went on a huge tangent there. <laughs> Adam, what's your take? Look. 
we've seen what the benefits of a load management schedule, especially with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, can uh, produce, right? We've seen that it could lead to a championship. And I'm not saying the Clippers are definitely going to win a championship because Kawhi Leonard is on this load management schedule. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm saying the benefits are clear. The benefits are obvious, right? And if you want to give your best player, perhaps the best player in the entire NBA, a legitimate shot and the best shot, of winning an NBA championship for your organization that has been pretty much considered the redheaded stepchild of LA up until this point. Let's not make any bones about it. Um, you got to do what's necessary. And I get sponsorships. I get television ratings. I get the NBA as a whole wants to look out for all those vested interests. I get it. But the bottom line is, is it's Kawhi Leonard's body. Man, like, it, I, I, if you want to find them, find them. If you want to find the Clippers, find them. Because I'm telling you right now, not one Clippers fan, much like the Raptors fans last year when it came to load management schedules, if they win the championship, not one fan is going to care about load management. Not one. Not one fan is going to look back and be like, yeah, this championship is cool, but, man, I really wish Kawhi Leonard played against the Bucks in November. No one's going to say that. No one's going to even think about it. You want to know why? Because it's not on the radar. Things have changed. I feel like people have this antiquated approach of saying, oh, this wasn't like this in the 80s oh, in the 90s when real basketball players play. I don't want to hear that garbage. That is just crap to me. That is such a straw man. It's ridiculous. Times change. The game changes. Sports science has advanced. The way people are, are more aware of their nutrition, their workout schedule, all of it. All of the above, it's changing. It evolves. And this is part of it. I'm not saying all the stars in the NBA are going to go on a load management schedule. I'm saying Kawhi Leonard knows his body. He knows of the previous injury history that he has. He understands what's going to be beneficial for him and his body. For anybody out there to sort of step their foot in and say, nope, you know what? You, you, you have a contract. That means you have to play 82 games. That's nonsense. That's all nonsense for me. I think this is way overblown. And if it, what it takes for Kawhi Leonard to compete at a high level or anybody to compete at the highest level possible means a load management schedule, I'm all for it, man. Before I, I jet here and get to my, my college fo football, <clears throat> the argument that I got on Twitter is that what happens if a kid saves up to go to this one game a year to see Kawhi? Well, if you're going to the one game, you're not getting courtside tickets usually, right? Like you're, you're sitting up in the nosebleeds, you're sitting up in the mid-levels, you're sitting way up high. So why don't you just start investing in League Pass? Right. It's an HD. You can watch it on your phone, on your tablet, on your big screen. If you're going to grandma's and grandpa's for the weekend, you can watch it on your little phone. I just think that League Pass, not to sell sell an ad for the NBA here, but League Pass is beautiful. Adam, I'm pretty sure you have League Pass to watch the Raptors where you live. Mm. I have League Pass to watch all my favorite players. This whole argument, well, if they sit out, they're not going to be on the nationally televised game or fans who got tickets, stop. League Pass is so stinking cheap. You can get League Pass for less than the price of two people going to a, a game with nice seats. And then you can watch your favorite team, your favorite player, all season long, and a discussion. And there's my rant to end my, my, <laughs> my partner show this week.
<laughs> All right. Well, I know you got a jet, so let's let's wrap it up with some predictions and we can get out of here. Um, speaking of League Pass, you can watch all these games on League Pass if you need to. But the Raptors got four games in this West Coast trip. They got a Sunday game against LA, then following Monday against the Clippers, Wednesday Portland, Saturday Dallas. I'm gonna make this short. With this injury concern, I don't see him winning any more than one game. I think they're gonna drop the first three and take a W in Dallas. What do you say? Dallas, man, I, I think Porzingis is gonna give them fits. Um, that's one of the few players that Marcus Saul would have a hard time. Do you put Pascal on Porzingis? Maybe I don't know. I think the game that they, I want to say Portland, but Portland's hungry for some wins right now. Dame just I dropped that, like I think, sixty points yesterday. What's that? I said Dame just dropped like sixty points yesterday. Well, and that's the thing, but they're with that two and six right now. Like yeah. they're hungry for some wins. So when you got Dame cooking, I think Whiteside could cause some issues with his size and athletic ability. And then, and then you got CJ. Who's if like who who's Fred Van Vliet guarding from that yeah. backcourt? Yeah. So I think both LA games are losses. I, mm-hmm. I've tracked those up to losses. I hope they win Dallas. Like I hope. But I, I think that Luca is going to torch Fred Van Vliet with his size at point guard. I think DeLon Wright could have a revenge game. I, again, this road trip, I mentioned it numerous times, Adam. It's scary. I think – I hate to end on a bad note because of all this positivity for you. I may come back losing, losing the next four games, and they're 6-6 six and six after the road trip. Sorry, Raptors fans. All right. Well, if, if that's the case, then at least we have a built-in excuse of Lowry and Ibaka being hurt. So hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully they pick up at least one, but time will tell. All right, Ryan, I know you got a jet, so uh, the floor is yours, man. Promote any and everything you got going on, where people can find you on Twitter, and then we'll close it out. Go ahead. I'm bummed to announce that Silva and I have pushed pause on the NBA Overtime podcast. He has his own podcast now uh, with his buddy, uh, just a, a pop culture one he's working on. I am doing the Athletes Unfiltered podcast, a bunch of interviews with players and coaches from games that I cover. Um, Journalists like Adam will be on there as well. I have a bunch of videos on our YouTube channel for Athletes Unfiltered. My Twitter is at Ryan McNeil. I have a bunch of inside access. I think pinned to the top is the ring ceremony video that I have. Some really fun stuff. So. Please give me a listen on the Athletes Unfiltered podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter at Ryan McNeil. And if you're a video fan, check out all the stuff that I have on the Athletes Unfiltered channel on YouTube. All right, all the links to that will be in the description of the show. I highly encourage to follow Ryan on Twitter. He's a great follow, especially when it comes to NBA content. Uh, Ryan, this was fun. Thank you for uh, bringing the positivity to the show today, man. And uh, take it easy. My pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.